Hello and welcome to Interviewing Aliens. I am Jeff, aka Awake. I am Tiffany, aka Tiffany. And today we have with us Jonathan Wheeler, known to many of you as Rainbow Goth Guy. Uh, by day, Jonathan works as a hospice worker, bringing comfort and solace to those in their final moments, but his passion for the dying goes beyond the mortal coil, as he is also a dedicated spiritual death worker. Uh, shepherding souls from this life to the next. Uh, this year's hot alien summer camp, Jonathan led a death work class that left attendees inspired and deeply moved. Today, we'll delve into his personal history, the path that led him to become a death worker, and his profound insights into spirituality. Join us as we explore the intersection of life, death, and the spiritual journey with Rainbow Goth Guy. thank you wow (laughs) was that a good introduction (laughs) oh my oh my god i i'm just flattered beyond words i i sound so amazing it's you you (laughs) did great honored to have you here bud (laughs) happy to be here i'm so i'm so excited yeah. So, yeah, um, as you could probably tell, we're all very familiar with each other. We've talked about <laughs> a bit. Um, Jonathan, uh, I met you for the first time at Hot Alien Summer Camp uh, and got the chance to spend some time with you and get to know you and take your death work class, which was profound for me and I know many other people. So uh, it's really exciting that you decided to come here and, and share with everybody a little more about yourself and, and what you do. Thank you so much. I I'm so honored. I'm so excited. Yeah. It I've just been waiting for the opportunity to like share um this and it's like I finally found like the group that has clicked with who I am and what I'm doing and it's been just a dream, a dream come true. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to this point here? Um you know, where did you start out with your work? Uh, I guess I'll I'll talk about kind of my spiritual path a little bit because that it's very deeply tied into what I do. I was raised in the Mormon Church, and so had religion, but always there was always like friction there, and I was never quite getting what I wanted—the deep, deep divine connection. When I went to college, uh, I met some some people, and they introduced me to meditation and drum circles and kirtan, talking about manifesting and your thoughts create your reality and all these things, and like really opened up, you know, my the way of thinking about life that was just like more expansive than what the church taught, 
uh, got Power of Now. That just sort of opened me up and left college, got married, kind of went away from like really focusing on spirituality for a while, but was drifting away from the Mormon church. And in 2008, found David R. Hawkins, who wrote Power Versus Force, and his books uh, completely, that I would, you know, people say awakening, that was my big awakening, just like feeling like I got a glimpse of what divinity really was for the first time, and like what I had been seeking my whole life, like, Oh, oh, that's that. That's what I've been looking for, um, and I could never find it through through the religion. Um, and it was at that point I it internally devoted myself to, you know, he called it like the classically path to enlightenment. Um, you know, transcending the ego, discovering the presence of God. And it was like so. Everything I was doing was like at the core of it focused on that. And so I left the Mormon church just because it was like, I don't, I don't need it anymore. I'm done. And um, shortly after um, my then wife, we moved to Wisconsin. I started a business doing wedding videos, which I, I, I loved doing video production. And I thought that was my, my dream, my lifelong dream to, you know, edit, shoot, do that whole thing. Turns out it was a horrible idea for me. Not suited anyway. Absolutely terrible. Hated every step of the process. Hated weddings. Hated the business. Hated the editing. It's just like torture. I I like went got more and more and more depressed and anxious and like it finally in like 2015 it's like i have to change something i can't i absolutely cannot do this anymore i have to figure out something else to do and it was like you know reading stupid articles of like here's how you pick your career you know <laughs> like you know, it kind of like led me to like, what are you actually good at? And what do you, you know, not like, what's your passion? What's your blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you actually good at? What are your skills? What skills do you possess now that you don't have to like change everything about yourself to do? And so it was like, okay, I'm really, really good with people. I want to spend time with people. That was number one, the top of the charts. Um, and then the other thing was I wanted to do something with compassion. I wanted to help people somehow um and somewhere in there my you know i started volunteering for hospice because um there was a thing in one of dr hawkins books about overcoming fear of death and he you know he had like meditations to like kind of go down the level like what are you afraid of that I'll lose my job, and then what? I won't have any, and then what? Then I'll be out on the street, and then what? Then I'll starve to death, and then what? And then I'll die. And so it's like getting down to like, okay, it's all it's all fear of death, and you know, you have to, you 
get that. But the other part of this this chapter in the book was um, he ha- he's like, you can do this meditation and you will set your intention that you're going to go to people that are dying. And you'll be the one that is there for them when they cross over. And you'll appear however that you need to appear. You'll, you'll, and you can comfort them. You can say, you know, you're not a body, you're free, um, and welcome them and comfort them. And I was so inspired by that. And then it like a light bulb went off. I'm like, well, I could do that in real life too. I could, I, like, there's a hospice here. I could do, I could go volunteer for a hospice. So I, I had been doing that kind of often throughout the years, um, you know, sitting with a lot of sitting with people while people ran errands and, you know, some like while they're actively dying, that sort of thing. But um, just being exposed to it and being um, in that world. And so when I was changing careers, I I had this like frustrating moment of like, like I want to work in hospice, but like, I'm not going to like, I was in my late thirties at the time, like 35 or 36. And like, I'm like, I'm not going to go back to, I'm not going to be a doctor. I can't go to medical school at this point. Wait like 8,000 years. And then when I be a hospice doctor, like, and then a social worker is another thing. I got to get a master's degree to do that. I mean, that sounds insane at this point in my life. And it was like, well, I could be a nurse. I could be a nurse in like, two or three years and then it it was like i was off and running so i went to a tech school nursing program uh, just with the idea to become a nurse Uh, and uh in i graduated in 2019 and then had one job that didn't work out in the hospital. And then I got a job as a hospice case manager. Um, and yeah, I knew like that it was right where I needed to be. It was exactly what I wanted to be doing. Um, but as I was going, I'm like, I was doing the physical work and all of the nurse things that you do. Um, which is a lot of calling pharmacies and doctors. Like, honestly, there's so much of my time is spent on the back and forth on the phone with a pharmacy. Um, but you're, you're comforting families, you're educating families, you know, changing meds, you're doing things to get people comfortable as their symptoms change, whatever. But I, I, the whole purpose I, that I did it was to like be, do spiritual work for them. <laughs> It, it wasn't like, wow, I love morphine and lorazepam and, you know, Medicare charting, you know, like, it's like, no, I want to, I'm here because I'm, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of the dying process. It's not squeamish for me. I want to be there for them. And then, so I was just like in there with people, like I'd be at their bedside. I'm chanting mantras to Shiva in my head like you know doing the lord's prayer you know the hail mary or whatever like was like their kind of thing sometimes like out loud and trying to do like what i could to help them cross but it was kind of just like i was making it up as i went because there was no like um 
I didn't have any guidance from anybody about, you know, how do you spiritually help somebody pass over? So it got frustrating because there were lots of people that were like holding on. You could tell it was like there's there was some internal process that they were going through that was very extensive and like they couldn't just let go and move on. So I was like, what can I do? What can I do? Um, and it was like in that time I got exposed to, I, I first found Pita Fairy was the first one, you know, talking about timeline jumping. And then she had Lacey Free on. I got on Lacey Free's Patreon. Just was so awesome. And then it was like, she's just, she's witchy and she's just talking about magic. And it was like, oh, um, I had never like gone into like magic because all the teachings I, I was following was just like, you're, you're just, you're shedding all the layers, you're letting it all go, you're not trying to do anything, you're not talking to beings. It's about the self with a capital S who just, you know, yeah. But then it was like, well, but how do I interface with the the physical world? How do I interface with everything that's going on around me? I need to I need that. And then it was like, oh, magic. And it going down that rabbit hole, you know, that led me to Jessa and all of that fun stuff. Um, but I, the first thing that sparked it was Damien Eccles. Um, learning some of uh, stuff from the Golden Dawn, lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, you know, some of these things and trying to like get into like, okay, kind of actively going into the inner worlds. Um, and that led me later to Quoria um, from Josephine McCarthy and that um, it was a much more balanced, um, thorough kind of approach with more like safeguards. Um, and she has a lot of stuff in her Quoria course about death work specifically and, you know, how to help people, uh, pass on. And so it was like, it was a, it was a long way to get to actually learning what I needed to, but it was, it was all, it all prepared me for um, getting to where I am. So. I, so listening to that, like I'm, I'm drawing a lot of parallels to like my situation, just, you know, you're talking about how, you know, you, you got to a point with what you were doing um, with the weddings. Um, my, I grew up, my, my mother catered weddings for a living and so I spent a lot of my time at weddings and I just don't know if there's anything more miserable really than a wedding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's just so much stress, you know? Um, and, and, and just, it brings out the worst in people. Um, but I mean, and really like that whole thing, like the, the ritual of that was like part of like, I don't know, my, distancing myself from the church like just because like that kind of like nastiness like 
didn't need to involve God, you know. Um, <laughs> but like even like more currently, like I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in life, you know. And I've been doing those same like little tests that you do to figure out, you know, well, okay, you know, what are you good at? <laughs> what should you do? You know, and, you know, I, I'm getting kind of similar vibes as far as I, I want to do something that involves, you know, working directly with people, helping them in some way. Um, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to land on that, but uh, this Deathwork stuff has really been, you know, calling to me in a lot of ways. So, I, yeah, I'm like so excited that you feel called to it because it's, um, yeah, it's our culture is is real afraid about the dying process, and the more people that can be teachers and helpers in that realm for everybody, so it's amazing to help you find how that works for you. I mean, your class you you had the opportunity to to teach a. Deathwork class at Hollyland Summer Camp at um, Starstruck Farm in Tennessee this year, and uh, I was kind of floating around the room during most of it, just because there was a commotion going on at the doors. I just want to make sure it was good. And but the you could really see, especially when we got to the meditation portion. I mean, the fact that you did like a comedy bit about death was just beautiful and hilarious. But <laughs> we loved hearing your story and. Uh, learning how your process and watching get it all set up and then going into the meditation, people were so deep into this and the conversation afterwards were just, you, I mean, you, you, you said at the beginning that you wanted us all to be your death worker army warriors <laughs> afterwards. And I mean, you, you activated some people. I mean, people could have been in that room with you for another two hours to talk about it. Um, it's, it was just absolutely fascinating to, to watch and you're, you're very, very gifted and and blessed, and you have an incredible talent. And I can't wait to see what happens next with all of this. We we definitely underscheduled the room, um, <laughs> but yeah, it would have it would have been very helpful for people to be able to share more. After, but I literally had never talked to anybody before that class, so um, it was. Uh, a little on the fly and somebody had to ask me like well how long do you need I don't we'll say this and um it turned out amazing and the, the experiences people had um were like wilder than i would have imagined um and yeah like really transformative for a lot of people so yeah i i, I was so happy with the way it turned out yeah and you've also run an online class for us. Well, that was like two Saturdays ago, I think. Right? Mm -hmm. And that was like a really powerful one for me in particular, and for a couple other people as well um, that I've talked to. And I think you're running another one on the 23rd. Is that right? Right. Okay. Yeah, so and September 23rd. And the the class at camp was more the. The process is, you know, in ancient cultures like Egypt, Greece, and Mesopotamia, they all had, like, Tibetan culture, they had death mysteries. And it was like these, this process they, they learned so they knew what to do 
when they passed over. And we've, we've like lost all of that. And so there's a lot of times when people die, they're, they're, they're confused and they don't know because it doesn't look like exactly what they want. So the, the process we went through in the class was, um, you know, walking people through this death vision, um, the, the steps that, that people see as they leave their bodies and start separating from their life. And the, the first time at camp was like to familiarize everybody and to go through the process. And, um, it's like, a not a, I, I want to say a practice run, but um, it's like a it's like a soft you know run through for yourself because you're going while you're alive, you're going through this part, um, and, and we can probably go into more detail about it somewhat, but um, it's like triggering a, a softer version of like the scales of justice, the scales of balance that you go through. And that, and then seeing all this and going through this process is, is very activating. And it's like going to change your life. Um, and then the second time, since people were familiar, we went with the intention of actually helping people that have died and helping spirits that are waiting and ready to receive help. Um, so it was a little bit different, um, kind of journey for people. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been, it's been awesome to see the effect it's had on people. I'll talk just a little bit about what I experienced just cause it was a pretty intense experience, but just a kind of high level, um, you know, we went through the opening rituals and I, um, I ended up helping what looked to be like looked like an extraterrestrial to me, like a, what you'd kind of expect like a gray alien to look like. But I helped that pass in the the afterlife. And um, I've been really pondering that one a lot since it happened, trying to figure out what that's supposed to mean. Um, you know, but I mean, it, there were a couple other people who had some really profound experiences. We've been talking about them quite a bit recently. So um, yeah, if you can make it out on the 23rd, you really should because it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also, um, we may post a video, like a private video of the first session um, for, you know, members of our little community here. Um, so you can get an idea of what it's like, but uh, we'll see where that goes. I know there's a lot of precaution needed in these kind of things because, you know, going to the underworld isn't like something that should be done lightly. You know, you want to talk a little bit about that, Jonathan? Yeah, th this is um, this is very advanced magic, <laughs> um, and I I had somebody asking me about it, it like because they knew that I had done it, and it's like, so tell me what that is, and I was trying to walk them through the the process, and he was just like, well, you know, so it's like to you know, just was not understanding that this is literally in vision going 
into the inner world and into the land of death. It was like, it was about like, oh, it's like to develop yourself and to know the things that you're going to leave behind. And it was just, it's like a theoretical exercise to them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're literally, the underworld is a place and we're going in vision work. And that's, you know, if you're, if you've ever done like a guided meditation or a thing like that and it connects to that space in your mind where you see those images and whatever, but you're, this is real. Humans have known about it for millennia. Um, and there are the underworld, the land of death is where everything goes to go out of existence, out of physical existence. And so it's not just humans, but there's also you know, other beings, as we learned from Jeff, I didn't know that um, extraterrestrials or, you know, other beings like that pass through death in the same way. Um, and, you know, I, I'm guessing that it maybe looked different for them than how we, you know, like this is our human mm -hmm. language for it, like the visual right. language for what it, what the process is. Um, so it might have he might have been seeing different, different things than we were for sure yeah absolutely yeah that's something I've been thinking about in regards to that and also just in general like I've been thinking lately about how different um, everything around us must really be when viewing things from like a higher level like either a, a different dimension or you know with different visual perceptions like yeah, we our mind really does a great job of constructing you know what is around us in a conceivable way you know and i think that it's the same thing when we're in that space you know our our, our minds are trying to conceptualize something that's a lot greater than what we're seeing but in a way that we can you know understand and process and and work with you know and with familiarity yeah, yeah. And, and it's there's a lot of power there there's angelic beings there's there's deity powers that are at work there um and then there's also there's things that are there that shouldn't come back and might want to hitch a run and so there's a the preparation before probably seems very elaborate but it's like it's bringing in the protection. It's making it like divine work. It's grounding us. It's calling in guardian beings that will watch over us while we're there. And some of that is like for to protect us if we can't handle energetically something that's happening. Like we had two people that they did work with two soul. They they like each of them worked with a soul to help them pass and immediately after they helped them along in the process they fell asleep until the end of the thing and they're like what's going on with that like i think that's all the energy that your body could handle and you were just like we're done um but i've had in my work i've had times where it just didn't work and i couldn't go any further i just got to a certain point and i stopped and 
no matter how hard I tried to walk further, it just stopped. And it's like you you have to trust that you're being protected for a reason, whether there's something you're too weak, there's a sickness coming on, and if it'll there's an opening for um you to get hit energetically. Um so it I, I want people to, to go into it with you know, kind of, I don't want to say seriousness, but like respect and like reverence, you know, like, yes. like, like you would do for any like shamanic process, you know, you, you don't want to go into it, you know, haughty or with pride, I guess. Guns blazing. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you just want to go in a little, a little humbled to what you're about to experience and willing to learn whatever it is that, you know, it is you need to learn while you're there. So. And two, you know, like there's plenty of stuff to do in the inner world in vision work that can be like for personal development. Those, there's things you can mm-hmm. do um, that are way less dangerous for you <laughs> so right. Th- right. that's why like when we did the group going in specifically to help people it was like every step of the way it was like we're here to serve we're here to be of service this is and we all had that in our minds we we projected that to the beings we encountered and that kept that keeps us safe it keeps us um where we're meant to be and where we're able to be of assistance um, in whatever way we can without like wandering off and, you know, getting into trouble ourselves. Right. Right. And like you're saying, there are so many other realms to explore. This is a very specific realm, you know, like you shouldn't be down here. Like you're not going to come down here to figure out the best recipe for pizza dough. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) You're down here because you're working with the dead and the dying process, and unless that's something that you are specifically studying, you probably don't really have a reason to be here um, until it's your time, which it will be eventually. Um, yeah, so I think that a lot of you, you mentioned that you know the ritual of it all can feel kind of silly, and I think that that's true for a lot of like the the high magic, the ritual magic. Um, it can feel a little, little silly. And I was thinking about um, how if, you know, if we're living in like a simulation or if there really is like a background coding going on, um, I've been starting to think of, you know, the ritualistic, you know, high magic, the ceremonial stuff as like using like cheat codes, you know, like you'll watch a a speed runner who will run up to a wall and hit a combination of buttons and they teleport through, you know, like it's just, you have to do something to, to trigger, you know, the, the event to happen, you know, and magic's just like a way to do that. You know, it's not necessarily the only way, but it's certainly an option. Um, when yeah. you're, yeah, when you were choosing to to get into this kind of magic, you know, was the the point, you know, kind of the Damien Eccles to do something big in a short amount of time, or is it more of a you just want to you know work with the tools available to accomplish a specific goal? Where do you think you're you're going with that stuff? That's a good question. It just it felt like the right 
path for me to to do and um and the Damien Eccles stuff clearly you know I'll I'll share this is a kind of a tangent but um I was doing this work that he does and you're calling in angels you're doing you're like you the thing is you banish everything except for the angels you call in and so I was doing this a lot and doing this thing and during this time um my father-in-law um went on hospice and my mother went on hospice within like a month of each other and i went and took care of my mother last like three weeks of her life and i was doing these like banishing years and it does on one hand it does bring in the angelic energy um I learned later <laughs> through sore experience that it also opens the door for uh, like parasitic entities to come in because it's like, it's like you, you could, you're chasing away little bugs with the, the thing, but the stronger things are just waiting outside going, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm going to come in. Because uh, you you opened this portal that I can come into, and now I'm to you. So I was helping my mother, and at the same time, I start I was having these like obsessive ideas. And this was it was about uh, I'm a type one diabetic, uh, and this was it was like every once in a while I would get on the, these things of like, is there a cure? What can I do? Can I do spiritual things to like? heal my body and it's never ever worked <laughs> because this is my car apparently um but i was obsessed like could not think about anything else every second was i have to do it i have to cure it I'm just like obsessed 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 and it was like it was not me it was something that found that that button it could push and feed off the energy and the anger and the frustration and the, the thing because I had been doing this like you know hey here's a portal come come visit me um, so um, I had to I had to get energy work I had to get some pretty intense clearing to like get rid of this thing and in Korea it's more you're you're acknowledging what is there because there are beings that you don't you don't know their names they don't speak your language but they're ready to help you there's land beings there's angels there's deities there's ancestors they're all willing to help you but if you only call archangel michael and archangel raphael and archangel gabriel and archangel uriel and pretend that that's enough um it doesn't work as the way you expect it to um, so Coria has been, um, it, it's just been working for me and it, it found, I found the, like the things I needed to learn from it, but she's also very like, you should be able to work. However, you know, whether you do the full ritual with all the candles and everything or if you're just alone with nothing you should be able to work and so 
you know, I don't want anybody to feel like they're, they can't do this work because they don't know the same rituals I do. It, you just have to be able to call in protection. You have to connect to the divine. You have to ground yourself. You have to be able to kind of bring those parts in because, um, if I'm at home working for somebody, for a patient of mine, something like that, I'm doing the whole ritual with all the candles. I'm doing these things. Um, and it, it is helpful, but I'm also at the bedside trying to get somebody's breathing under control, and opening the gates in the directions. Um, calling to those angels and calling to the beings, calling to the ancestors um, so that the opening is there for them no matter what. Um, I've done it in a car outside someone's house. I've done it, you know, you know, you hear somebody is dying and then you just go, okay. And you go through the process with them. Um, so it's just one way. Shamanic people do it a different way. Um, witches will do it a different way. Um, it's all, it's all fine. It's not, yeah, it's all, the, it's all about intentions, right? Yeah, like yeah. if you're setting your intentions and your intentions are good, you know, then, then you can do anything really, yeah. you know, I think that there's a, you know, several billion people on earth and an equal number of ways to perform magic. But if you don't know where to start, ceremonial and high magic is a great place because there's bountiful information out there you know and if you start with it and you know you find that you know that's what's doing it for you and you want to stick with it great because there's even more info for you to go find you know but if you start with it and find that you know i feel like i can do this without all of these steps you know or i feel like i know my own way you know i can intuit my own way to do it that's fine too you know but the point is to know what you're getting into with these things you know make sure you're doing your grounding make sure that you know you're you know like you said you know who you're calling in you know um josephine says the point is not to do magic but to be the to get to the point where you are magic you're living a magic so you're connected at all times acknowledging all the beings around you um with everything you do. And so then it's just there for you when you, um, not with or without all of the, all of the steps, but there's a lot of power in, you know, doing everything, yeah. um, moving your body, going, doing the steps, um, is a, is a really powerful thing, whether that's ritual magic or shamanic journeying any of those different things it's all there's a lot of power in all those I've noticed since your session just I think just through awareness of death work I've death has kind of been like all like kind of all around me in ways that I've not not seen it before like in in so many ways I won't get specific but like one we watched like a documentary the other day with Jeff and I did about the, the just about in every culture the way that they they uh, approach death and the uh, passing of uh, one human, to, you know, to the next life. And 
it's beautiful to see all of the different, you know, grief, the, the different process, the different uh, rituals that so many cultures do for their, their uh, loved ones. And it's just been like touching. It's, I'm like seeing it in a whole nother light. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely touching. Like a, a person passed re- recently just down the street and every, about every day I go, there's like offerings left at the, at the site, you know, and all of these letters and candles and, you know, good old bottles of liquor and stuff, you know, just, well, you know, whatever. They're just really, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing to see and it doesn't have to, I mean, yeah, there's grief. Yeah. It's, it's fucking heartbreaking, but there's something very beautiful about the celebration of that life, you know? And, uh, as a result of, of your class, um, we have kind of evolved in our community project that we want to do as, as a, as a community. Um, there's several of our group that since our first gathering at, at a alien school field trip in 2022, we have been looking for land and trying to come up with a business plan of, of, you know, how that looks. Um, and it shifted very quickly within a few days after camp that we really want to start offering services metaphysically, physically, and, you know, spiritually for that end of life process. And, um, it just was crystal clear. I mean, as soon as we got home that that's, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to be doing alongside of, you know, other projects, but like the main focus is, is, um, educating and supporting that process. Um, you know, the, the church of the living is kind of the idea that we're, we're working with right now. And, um, we have a a discord community that we'll put a link to. It's a, it's, there's a link everywhere for it, but this, this is where a lot of our, our community meets and, um, and I want to say fellowship, but that's not the right word. Edit that out. Edit it out. It's true. (laughs) People will totally vibe with fellowship. Some people will get some Christians that'll, that'll just eat that up. (laughs) Drama. Um, Uh. (laughs) Edit that. Mark that out. I don't want to trigger anyone's drama, but we have a discord community where people, where we gather and where we all met and uh, where we keep in touch and when we first brought it to the group that this is something we were interested in, it was just fascinating. It was absolutely heartwarming to see how many people were interested in this, wanted to be a part of this, saw this in their future, you know, could envision themselves there from, from people providing the food, you know, aspect of to the end of life to, you know, you have, you know, um, healthcare professionals, you have counselors and death doulas stepping forward and, you know, from on the metaphysical side, we've got energy healers and, and mediums. Like, there's so many people and so many people, uh, so many puzzle pieces to this that are coming together so quickly. And uh, I am like beyond hyped about it. I'm so excited yeah. to see this come together. I mean, it's, I can see it. I can just, it's just at the tip of my fingers. It's, re- I'm ready for it. Yeah. And beyond just the like spiritual workers that are coming out and are excited to help are, you know, people in all kinds of lines of work that are, are really important, you know, hospitality, management, finance, uh, IT, you know, this is the kind of project that's going to require, you know, a lot of people when things really get running. Um, and it's not just going to need to be, you know, 100 yoga teachers, you know what I mean? So uh, if, if you're thinking to yourself, 
you know, this is interesting. I'd like to learn more, you know, maybe see what it means to be a part of something like this. You know, come check us out at the Discord and, you know, see if you vibe with what's going on. And, you know, who knows what skills you might have to offer to, you know, make this kind of thing a reality. To add to the Death Worker Army. Yeah, to Jonathan's Death Worker Army. <laughs> And on that note, actually, um, we have uh, some questions from uh, the community here, uh, and one of them has to do with exactly this. Uh, Floral Twig, a.k.a. Phoenix, said, do you Phoenix. have any recommendations for programs or classes for becoming a death doula? Um, I've thought a lot about this um, because <laughs> I've, like, done a google search every you know couple of years or something about this exact same thing and never like pulled the trigger on anything because there's a lot of different programs and the answer i came up with is just pick one it, it th there's not a like there is like the there's like an international death doula association their training seems very thorough. Um, I'm sure it's fine. But there's no, the good thing is there's not like a licensing body that you have to like deal with, like becoming a nurse or a social worker or something. So, so there's not like, it, it doesn't matter that much is the, <laughs> the short yeah. answer. You can pick one. Is there one in your area? Is there one that offers in-person classes and you want to do that in person? People do that. Pick that one. Is there one that's cheaper than the others and you have to think about money? Do that one. Um, just follow your gut. Find one. There's, there's a bunch. Um, and I think to my impression of what people are doing as death doulas kind of is a pretty wide scope of things. I don't think there's a standard thing that you're doing as a death doula for people that would be like, these are the steps you have to do. It seems more fluid. So um, you're going to bring who you are to it. And, you know, the, 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 the thing that they seem to all do is like kind of business modeling stuff. So you could try and get paid and make a website offer things and that seems to be would be very helpful for a lot of people um but i don't know if there's one i i never have found one that i wanted to do that was like yeah. oh that's the that's the exact one that seems better than all the others so um choose your own adventure it's yeah. it's probably it's probably going to be good the yeah. one that lines up with your schedule and lines up with all your things will be the, the best one for you. Yeah. I was checking out the, you just mentioned them, the International End of Life Doula Association. Um, just kind of seeing what, you know, information they had out there. Um, I definitely saw uh, a set of like training and certification. I'm going to use air quotes for that because. Like you said, this is not really an accredited line of work, you know. Um, but 
Yeah, basically when I when I was starting to think about how to get into this and how to dig into a little more, I started thinking about who I could contact who's doing it and I could talk to. Um, and that's why I went to that International End of Life Doula Association site uh, and checked out you know what doulas are in my area. Um, I'm planning on reaching out to a couple of those and seeing if maybe I can talk to them just about you know what is it like to be. Uh, uh, death doula in Alabama where I am right now you know you know what what can I expect from you know going into that line of work um, and like you said if you already have a business going especially like a spiritual practice of some kind it seems to be like something you can kind of tack on to that I mean that sounds cheesy but I mean you know if you're already doing spiritual work you're you're tapped into this stuff already you know if if death doula work is something that, you know, you're interested in dabbling in, why, why not check it out, you know? Absolutely. Well, from uh, another member of the community, the big cat himself, Callisto, asked uh, you to describe your first uh, experience with a deceased spirit. The first person I was, like, kind of intimately involved with sort of their lead up to dying and dying, you know, like the decline that was as a CNA. Um, this little lady with Alzheimer's. Um, uh, the first time I ever got punched in the face was this little lady. Um, didn't even leave a bruise. It was, I'm fine. She's tiny little, you know, <laughs> I came and tried to do something and she socked me in the face. So, but then if you came back 10 minutes later, she'd be like, Oh, hi. Like that. Just adorable. And also like real cantankerous and feisty and just hilarious. Um, had a little dog that she was always feeding. Said, I'm, I'm feeding my son. <laughs> just adorable. Um, but she was late. She was late in Alzheimer's and I worked there for almost a year and she declined got sick and she was going I was around you know like as she's like drifting in and out and like I would be out helping other people and I like heard her singing hymns you know like making up hymns singing there um but she I was on shift when she passed and I, I remember feeling ecstatic, peaceful bliss, like the moment she passed. It just, the freedom, the, the release, the, it was so beautiful, the feelings. Um, and it really solidified to me, you know, that it's not, something to be afraid of um and and that's when pe people say to me all the time you know the second i say I'm a hospice nurse they're like oh that's hard that must be really hard oh my god i don't know how to do that that's awful horrible job that you get so many people go awful my job must be and i'm like no <laughs> get me next to somebody when they're dying it is beautiful it's wonderful for them. They're they're happy. There's no 
So that that was that was the first one that was like I felt contact. Um, and and let, for me, I, unless I'm specifically going into vision work, like I, I don't see spirits. I don't. I'm not like physically seeing them with my eyes. Like it all goes through my body. Like, I can tell. Um, but the 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 deceased person that I've had the most like legitimate contact with is my mother. Um, from like around when she died, um, I I could picture her, and her presence was there. Um, and she she's been around ever since, and I've gotten um, I've gotten readings, and she, she's very specifically uh, working with me in the work that I'm doing. Um, and I I definitely channel her uh, at times because her energy was always soft and encouraging and loving motherly and holding and you, know, you can do it you know that's that was my mom um and she <laughs> after camp well at camp um our friend on from uh from montreal uh she said right after the mediumship class my mother was like banging on her door like you have to go talk to him. I need to talk to him. He, you have to go tell him that he needs to contact me. And she said it was kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I, I, it's my fault. I could have shut it off. I, should have, I could have told her to leave. But I just wanted to tell you, she needs to get in touch with her. So even from uh, beyond the grave, my mother is telling other people, like, call your mother. You need to call your, tell him he needs to call his mother. <laughs> <laughs> classic yeah great. yeah mo most most people when they move on they're, they've moved on from me we're i'm all business so they're not, they're not hanging out with me <laughs> it struck me when you were talking about how like people say it's, it's hard to work as a hospice worker but you're you're very much like oh no get me right next to a dead person you know that's I'm, I'm ready to talk to him i i feel like when i think about that for myself it's the first time not the first time but one of the most like profound times for me that i feel like i feel connection to my scorpio son you know like that closeness to death um you know there's a lot of things about being a scorpio that i don't necessarily relate to but that particular feeling is something i definitely do and um I don't know, like I'm getting excited thinking about the opportunity to, to work more closely with that energy and, and I don't know, feel a little more closely connected to my sun sign in that. Love that. And like, if you're, if you are unafraid, if you're not squeamish, like that is a great sign that you're, yeah. that's like probably where you should be. Um, in, in nursing school, it was all, you know, there's people that was like, no, I want to be on the trauma gore. I want somebody mashed by a truck. I want 
gunshots. And I'm like, oh god, I don't even want to put an IV mm. in. Like, it's just no, absolutely. But they're like, oh, I don't want to like, no, ooh, no dying, absolutely. And I'm like, oh no, no, it's good, it's good. Give me the I, I, none of it bothers me. I, I'm much more like ugh, about surgeries and, and mm-hmm. IVs and all of that stuff than any part of the dying process. So. Um, it's a good sign for you that <laughs> if you're like close to death, great, let's get in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'm the same way. I'm I'm squeamish when it comes to you know the the blood and the gore. I can't really get into that, but the the existential stuff, I'm there for. You know, like get me in there with somebody who's passing away. Let me let me help remind them how beautiful their life was and how much they have to look forward to in the next. You know what I mean? I'm I'm ready for that. I've only ever accidentally connected uh, with with people that have passed or are passing. I had the uh, honor of being able to connect with uh, one of our community members' mothers uh, right before she was passing. Like uh, I was on, it was again an accidental kind of situation. She was on a phone call bedside with her mother, who had uh, who was who was. Um, close to her transformation and felt this just instant connection. Like I was there with them and was able to, you know, speak some message that came, came through. And, um, I'm that, that will be something that will stay with me forever. I will never forget that experience. And you're right. There is a peace and a joy to it that in, and I feel it through my body also. And I, there's a peace and a joy to it that, changed me as a person when it came to my, uh, I don't know what that, what I anticipated when it comes to the idea of death. But, uh, after that I, I was a changed person. So yeah, it's beautiful. And it stays with you. And just to, you know, we kind of touched on it before of like, this isn't, none of this is to take away from the grief. I don't want this to any, any of this to be for, for the living, for us that are left. Your grief, is real and you should you should feel every bit of it and it is awful i want i need to i just need to acknowledge that and please feel your feelings but it's for you it's not for like because they're fine okay the dead are fine they're going to be a-okay okay their body they're gone out of their body and we're going to miss them so much of that that hole that's left is so awful just like it's real and you have to feel it um you can push it off but you can't avoid it forever and please feel your feelings it's valid cry it's the time to cry it's the time to be completely broken down um be a mess don't be strong don't just be a mess you you lost your loved one. Um, it's awful. So is, but for for the dying, it's you know once they're out, it's that they're they're good, they're good. So don't worry about them. Just take care of you. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jonathan. What's the wildest death work story that you have that you're comfortable sharing? 
the the one that I think about all the time um, is this guy. He in this little assisted living, and he was kind of a grumpy dude. Um, he had like a a puzzle table that his family had set up like out in the common area, like to put up the puzzle. But it was like it was his puzzle table. You did not touch it. Nobody could go near it. And then he, he as he progressed toward, I was around him because we had other patients in this place, and it was like he started to get like more. He couldn't even have him in the room with the puzzle, and he was like really agitated and aggressive with people. They had pretty severe dementia, but it was like dementia on top of some like mental health stuff that probably wasn't fully diagnosed. Um, some schizophrenia probably. I even was hearing things. Um, but he he declined to the point where he was appropriate for hospice, and he got he was. Declining and declining and falling all the time. Get up and fall. Um, he was on blood thinners. And it was about a week before he died. He had fallen. We went to him and to his son and said, we need to, we want to take him off the blood thinners because he's more at risk for bleeding now than he is for risk of stroke. And the son went through this whole elaborate thing of telling me the rationale for blood thinners to prevent stroke. I know why we do blood thinners, prevent the clot, prevent it from going to the brain. Yes, but he's not going to die of a stroke in the time. He's going to, he's more at risk for bleeding from a fall than he is from having a stroke. So he didn't take him off, didn't take him off. He fell again into, just like fell into the, the wall with his leg. You know, not like a full fall, but like enough that he like, he had this big bruise, like big, they call it a hematoma, big, like blood under the skin. And it just kept getting bigger. And he, he, after that, he went down and he was actively dying um, because we didn't take him off the blood thinners soon enough. But this guy, once he was in the bed, and he was like, his consciousness was changing. He was tortured. Um, he was reliving memories and like literally screaming like, no, 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 no. Like at the top of his lungs screaming. And it was like, somebody was getting hurt and he was trying to like, get them to stop it or something. It was so tortured. I've never seen somebody so distraught. Um, And it was like, it took everything that we could to like get him medicated enough that he could be, that he could have the experience um, without it like taking over his whole body, if that makes sense. Um, and, and this was one, I, I was just sitting there like sitting at his bedside because we got calls for him all the time, you know, because it's like, he was fine. Now he's out of control. What do we do? Um, and it was just like, you know, is it the pain or is it just the, the psychology of this, you know, these tortured memories? Like, we didn't know. So we're just kind of throwing everything to 
get him, but like I'm sitting there like holding his hand, you know, saying you're safe, you're safe. I know it's scary, but you're safe. Um, trying to like tell him and, you know, I, the, the one thing I tell everybody, which is from A Course in Miracles, is you are not a body, you're free. And the other thing is from Dr. Hawkins, and he said, uh, walk straight ahead no matter what, all fear is illusion. So I tell that to everybody. Because, it, and this guy is just this, this terror that he couldn't escape. And, um, and it, we were, we were like helpless other than morphine and help here at all. And these antipsychotics, um, to try and get him peaceful enough that he could, um, he could let go of his body. Um, but that one, that one always stuck with me. Um, wow. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah don't want to go like that <laughs> wow um do we have any other questions tiff uh the one the other one from callisto oh yeah okay so i'll preface this one with just saying that we at the interviewing aliens podcast do not condone the use of psychedelics uh but we do you know recognize that they're out there and this is of course for harm prevention purposes here. So uh, the question is, what are your thoughts on the use of psychedelics with doing death work? Um, I think there, there's, there has to be a way to integrate it. I think there is some way to do it. And it, but how to, you know, when in the process do you do it? And, it, it feels to me like it would probably have to be like an earlier thing with like a guided, um, very like we're, we're making it peaceful and set and setting. They always say, um, you know, with somebody keeping them safe, being everybody you know, so that they're able to feel safe the whole time. You get somebody like really end stages. If you threw psychedelic mushrooms at them, I don't, I have no idea how that would go. Right. Right. Um, I think during the, the process of like grieving your own death though, that could be really helpful. I know that there's a lot of um, research into psilocybin and cancer patients that are nearing end of life and that there's good results from that as far as, you know, um, just helping them, you know, again, I put it as realizing how beautiful your life is and that you have so much more to look forward to, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't know the, the clinical term for that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And then too the, like being able to look at the fear in that state where there's less fear, you know, like you're seeing it through this, like, beautifying lens or you know a, a different perspective um could be really helpful i'm i'm very interested to see what people do with it i'm in oregon and 
they I think they just opened like the first center for you know these guided like psychedelic mushroom meditation things um so I haven't seen any like reports about how that's going for people but um it's really interesting um to at least to prepare people yeah as we talk about this process and the project that we would like to work with, with the Center for the Living and Church of the Living, I also see um, being able to support the families and the loved ones of those that are going through that process. Um, and I foresee, you know, some, some use of psychedelics to help with the, the grieving before and after, you know, kind of situation. Um so I'd be, you know, interested to see, you know, how that, you know, to do some more research into those kinds of processes and, and, you know, counseling and therapy options for those. So, yeah, I think, I think, uh, psychedelics do have a, a place in the, in the spiritual community and, you know, and, and medical community community as we keep progressing forward. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that, um, I think for a lot of people, the psychedelic experience, you know, when they talk about ego death, I think for a lot of people, that experience is just the realization of death, the inevitability of death, you know, and also the idea that, you know, time isn't real. It's just something we use to make sense of all this, you know, and that if that's true, then... I already am dead, you know, <laughs> and I, I think that those kinds of thoughts are things that naturally occur when engaging with these medicines. And, uh, you know, as a result, like I, I have to imagine there's a place for them in in this world, because if, if you're getting those realizations as a, you know, 30 something year old um who is just, you know, sitting around with some friends. Uh, I have to imagine that with the right, you know, intention and set and setting and, you know, the guidance of professionals that it can be a really, really therapeutic thing. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I, I think the preparation and knowing what you're going into and like, it could be really helpful. Um, if it, if you're not expecting to have a, you know, deal with your fears of dying or confronted with that. We'll say that can be very challenging to deal with for everybody. Well, uh, Jonathan, this has been a really great conversation, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm Thank so glad so that we found our way to be with each other in this world, whether it was through a, a comic who talks about <laughs> Uh, drinking her own meth key or not but I'm, I'm happy we found each other <laughs> this lifetime <laughs> absolutely all right well Thank Jonathan you. do you want to do you have any plugs or anything do you want to talk about you know wh how can where we can we find you friend uh if you go to the hot alien summer camp discord I'm rainbow goth guy the other best way is instagram rainbow underscore goth underscore goth I personally don't have a like setup for you know specifically working as a deaf doula, but if you are if you want to work with me, reach out. 
figure something out. Um, we'll figure out what that looks like for you. I do card readings, card divination. So if you, you know, want to delve deeper into your life or, you know, look at something, um, through that, um, I'm really good at giving you bad news with a gentle hand. (laughs) (laughs) We all need that sometimes. Comes the territory, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jonathan. Thank you, everybody out there My for pleasure. listening. Um, you know, again, we're, we're interviewing people that are part of this community. These are people that we interact with every day, and it's really just a treat to get to know you better. Um, we, we really appreciate it. So. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll catch you next time. Love you guys. Yep. Love Bye, you. Everybody. Bye. Bye, buddy. Bye, buddy. Ha, ha, ha.